In the sports talk radio justice world, mediocre quarterback play and porous tackling are considered especially heinous. On the Lance J Show, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad at Paragon 7 Studios. These are their stories. Back on our last day show, I have Isaac Palmer on, on the HealthCast. It's me and Janelle. We are, we are broadcasting from Asheville, North Carolina. We're at a women's leadership conference um, sponsored by Rise. And, and shout out to all of our sponsors, Episource, U.S. Hunger, The Cook's Nook, uh, Med Health Clinical, so many people that keep this movement going. Shout out to everybody listening on, on KIXI Kixie in Seattle, where we're on drive time now, four to five weekdays, and getting a lot of positive feedback about the show, especially the HealthCast series. So if you aren't familiar with what we're doing, every day we have a healthcare topic, and I call it the HealthCast. Uh, so we do live radio for an hour a day, roughly, but we do one segment that's usually a pre-taped segment where it's me at a convention or it's me and Janelle arguing about... Now, Janelle, I got to check you when Isaac gets <laughs> off the phone because we, we had this huge argument about cooking oh boy. And, and cleaning the last time we were on the show. We have to finish that that argument. But we have Isaac Palmer. I've been wanting to get Isaac and Janelle in the same room. Haven't been able to get them in the same room, but with, with technology, able to get Isaac on the phone to chop it up with me and to know while we're at this convention Isaac going into the last break brought up a, a really what I think was fantastic and Janelle you're a parent I've had mm-hmm. a chance to see you the way you raise your daughter and how you make her aware you talk very openly mm-hmm. about teaching her about her own body and teaching her about her own mind and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable even though she's at a young age right. you're teaching and enforcing those things at an early age so yep. by the time she's a teenager a young adult she's going to understand because you and your husband have reinforced that into her uh, her entire life Isaac talks about Kendrick Lamar's album and there's some very real but raw music on there where, where he's arguing, where he's exploring some real dark concepts uh, that we all go go through. And there's a song where he's going back and forth with, with his partner and they're cursing each other out and MFing each other and just talking about how they're both just deplorable, disgusting, selfish humans that we all get into that are in long-term relationships. Yeah. You know, you curse someone out and, and you love them to death, but but they're making you sick to your stomach that particular day. Isaac says that, he wanted to have that conversation with his 16-year-old son about what it means. And that's so much different than I think mm-hmm. that some of us experience with our parents, yeah, where the true. generational gap, where it's kind of like our parents at times wanted us to pretend that those conversations don't really exist. Right. So they only exist in homes that are highly dysfunctional and people are on drugs and people are, are unfaithful and all of that stuff. Where the truth of the matter is... These are real discussions that happen. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're a vice president or CEO like Isaac or a big-time nurse like Janelle. People have these breakdowns in relationships. And the fact that you want to discuss it with your son, Isaac, I think that that's really important. Um, And I wanted you to elaborate on that. Why is it so important for you to have that discussion with your son about the music and and some of the things that have come up in in the Kendrick Lamar album? Well, yeah, yeah, I... I just made this commitment years ago to not shield my kids from reality mm. and, uh, and just have those real discussions with them and, and, and let them have their own opinions about it. So I, I don't go into these conversations trying to steer or teach or, but just let them then talk and say, ask questions. Mm. Um, this is the real world that they are going to see and experience. It's mm. coming up. It's soon. He's 16. I didn't mention my 18 year old daughter. She's going to listen to the song as well. I'm going to talk about it. 
No, nah, that, that so, that's uh, really, yeah. That's a great, <laughs> I'm glad I brought that up. Janelle, please. Uh, give me some advice on that conversation. I mean, I think you're doing the my girl. Yeah, you're doing the, you're doing the right thing. I mean, my daughter's only eight, so our discussions are right now are very like superficial and um, they're not in depth as it was it would be an eighteen year old. But I think like you going in being very honest, very candid, giving her space to ask questions without judgment. That's I mean that's that's perfect, and she's going to get the message, and she's going to be very happy that she knows that she can come to you to talk to you about these things. Isaac, why why is why is Match Foundation so important? We kind of talk about Kendrick and using that as as a parallel to what you're doing with Match Foundation on on the south side of of Chicago. I mean, the last time you came in and spent some time with me in Nashville, we had a chance to interview Dr. Pratt, who is an uh, I believe an ER surgeon or or um, he he definitely works in the ER and in in Chicago and and he he told a story about a young male that's a football player and was really experiencing a lot of trauma, both mentally and physically had seen people perish, had uh, some health challenges of his own, was trying to juxtapose that with a, with a football career. And, and Dr. Pratt was a football player and was able to relate and kind of take this young person under his wing. I just felt that that was a bone chilling discussion uh, just to realize that people are living like this and, and sometimes you know I get caught up in the ivory tower and don't realize what's going on in the streets this parallels so much to mental health and, and getting mental health into the inner cities uh, erasing mm-hmm. the stigma that you're weak that you're not gangster that you're not hood you're not trill if you go to the doctor to, to manage your mental health and, and talk about some of the things that match is doing in Chicago to, to help curtail this this incorrect stigma I mean, essentially, we're trying to match uh, black patients with black, black providers. And, and, and Dr. Pratt's story was so emblematic of was a great example of what happens when a doctor can see the humanity in his patient. He said, I, I saw him in myself. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is what we need providers to do, is see that humanity, go the extra mile, get creative, find treatments and solutions uh, that, that are just not... Um, what they usually do, you know, don't treat our patients like they're on a, uh, a uh, factory uh, right. assembly line. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're trying to do is just just overlay uh, and, and add a what we call a concierge nurse mm-hmm. to the care team that is able to get to know the patient, get to know the treatment plan, get to know the provider and start spurring, creating these conversations that get us to better treatment options nice. uh, for, for black patients. No, that's very nice. And I think one of the other follow-up questions, and I ask you, Janelle, I think the timing is important. And, and we talk, once again, using your children as an example. Having some technical difficulties. Using your children as an example, you talk about starting your kids young on mm-hmm. these conversations. I think that the mental health conversation, I didn't have a conversation about my mental health literally until I was in my mid thirties right. was the first time I'd ever had a conversation about mental health with a doctor. Yeah. I was 35 and had Lyme disease and experienced a, a lot of pain and trauma uh, from losing my ability to walk temporarily with Lyme disease. And that was the first time I, I had ever really had a serious mental health conversation. And the second time was after my mother passed mm-hmm. away. So I was 43 years old. So 43 years old only had two conversations about mental health with my primary care physician I like to think that if I had had that conversation with my primary care physician at 20, yeah, 
You know, just like he talked to me about, well, hey, you know, your blood pressure is a little high. If you if you don't do something about this, you could have high blood pressure or, hey, you know, these chronic illnesses, diabetes runs in your family, um, you know, prostate cancer runs in your family. These are all things that you might want to be aware of over time, mm-hmm. but never the health, never the mental health question. Yeah. Um, why is it so important to start with these younger populations so they understand their mental health and they actually can do something about it and seek, seek help? Um, mental health is it's a part of, you know, overall health. So um, I think it's important, just as important to talk about that when you're going. I in. think it's bigger than than physical health in many cases. I mean, it's we've we've seen, you know, kind of putting my quality hat on. Mm-hmm. Somebody's not going to take their insulin or their statin. That's if true. they're in mental peril. That's that's, that's not going to happen. And that's why we we really uh, post on social determinants of health as well. If people don't have basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. you can't get someone to worry about taking a cholesterol pill when they haven't had a square meal. That's so, I true. mean, as someone that's gone through a lot of loss in the last six months, um, if you're not right mentally, you can barely get out of bed. You that can, is true. You can barely take a shower. You know, you can barely do basic grooming and stuff like that. So to actually get someone to engage in an exercise program mm-hmm. or, or go to a trainer if they need to lose some weight or to cook, Mm-hmm. A meal that is low carb, that's not going to happen if, if someone is in, in mental peril. I know that from personal experience. Yeah, that you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of issues with the system. So the system is designed when you're going in as a patient, like the doctor's only going to see you for 15 minutes, right? right? That's your slot. And so... They eat what they kill. Right. And then you're just... He's going to take your one or two top concerns right. at that point of time. Um, not going to talk about mental health if it's not blatant. Right. Another thing is the whole um, medical system. So it, during medical... Um, school, you may only get like what one or two rotations on mental health. Mm, very good point. That's so um, they may, it may not be something that if you're not a specialist, you may not even recognize the signs. Wow. I know for myself as a woman, the only time we talked about depression was you know after I had after I had my child because you know postpartum depression that's the only only time. And so if it's not blatant, if you don't bring and it, think up, about young people that have children. So people are so yeah. many people that are having children at 17, 18. Yeah, a lot of you haven't even had a mental health discussion period so how i think you had a child a little bit older Older, understood the concept of postpartum and or clinician um isaac is in the 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 clinical world and a leader and a ceo in that world understand those things but imagine being 18 19 and having to deal with that just like i said i lost my mom at 43 Mm -hmm. and just was completely devastated i can't imagine losing my mom at 13 and then having to go back to school the next week after after a funeral i just can't even imagine yeah it's it's tough and i like what isaac said like fortunately i've when i worked in adolescent medicine it was a very small team it was kind of like concierge so um black all all black staff dealing with um inner city patients and so we had the opportunity to see these patients over and over and over again you know with adolescents it's hard to really get them to trust you so once they trust you they start opening up and then we could recognize okay well this is the physical issue but this stems from something that's more you know mental so let's get you connected to the right people and over time you know we saw growth we saw progress we saw complete changes in our patients isaac to to let you close us out because we're we're up against the break but wanted to give you a chance what initiatives are you working on going into this summer i know that you guys are always raising money Every time I talk to you offline, you're you're at the next level. You're bringing new people in. What are some of the big initiatives that match and you personally are working on this summer? Yeah, you know, uh, nothing big to announce. We are still waiting and with Waitmo. We have okay. assembled a group of about twenty different um, community uh, partners uh, in, in the South Side of Chicago, and we we're sitting at the goal line, ready to submit our application. The state has okay. not released. 
mm. the funds yet. So uh, just waiting on that. This is a $12 million project that's ready to go. Mm. Wow, man. That's, that's, that's really uh, fantastic. And always a pleasure to, to get you on the show, Isaac. And, and always good to – I'm looking forward in, in, my, in my sick, twisted mind – the goal is to have you and Janelle and me and and, and I want to I want to do a four person booth. I want it to be like TNT. I want it to be Kenny, Ernie, Chuck, Charles, and Shaq. So I don't. I, I guess Isaac will be Isaac will be Kenny, and uh, Janelle. I gotta Janelle, be the cutest one. Janelle Janelle will play the <laughs> the the most popular is Charles Barkley. So I guess you'll play the Charles Barkley role. It'll be a much much more beautiful version of Charles Barkley. But um, always Does a Candace pleasure. Parker ever join that crew, or is that she on a different? Man, network? I think Candace is on the B team, so that's a great. Mm-hmm. Candace is on the B team, so she sits in for Shaq mm-hmm. sometimes. But Candace is okay. right. Candace has said that they this is probably Candace has said that this is probably her last season. Mm-hmm. And Charles Barkley has said that he's getting towards the end. So I'm I'm 99% sure that when Charles hangs it up, that Candace is probably going to slide mm. over. Um, and I know that Dwayne Wade and then they're, they're grooming Draymond Green. Draymond, Draymond Green's out winning another championship this year, but they're grooming him. Mm. But I, I agree with you. Uh, Candace Parker would be a fantastic addition. She's phenomenal, and she's a baller, man. Oh, people yeah. people don't understand how good. If, you think, if you're out there listening and you think Candace Parker would put up 75 on you in your in your rec league. She is a fantastic <laughs> basketball player. I saw her win a slam dunk contest when I was in college uh, and she was just coming up. She she's I mean grad school. She's she's a phenomenal athlete and a and a great uh, media personality. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.